From the broken ruins of Babylon, this is End of Days Radio. I'm your host, Daniel, broadcasting to you all the way from that shimmering emerald city right here in the heart of the Pacific Northwest. Today's date is January 25th, 2020. This is the second show that we're recording today. So big double feature today, double header, double feature. The first show was at 11 a.m., so <laughs> I had to wait all day to sit down again at 8 p.m. Kind of a weird split day. What did I do in between? Not a whole lot. I ate some taquitos and just kind of chilled. Not a whole lot to do. Today's guest is Clinton Cowach. After the successful release of Submissive Wisdom in 2014, Bible prophecy author Clinton Cowatch has worked diligently to present the unfolding revelations of the Holy Scripture in relation to modern events. Using the Diligent Watchman platform, his successful blog, recordings, and radio programs have pursued truth about the world today while striving to present an unfolding view about the world around us. His unique evaluation of political, economic, and social issues provides insight into modern events and how they tie to Bible prophecy. With his insight, many have been able to see the unfolding of the prophetic world in real time as our world becomes closer to the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Clinton Cowatch has been a Bible prophecy student with over 25 years of study, dedicating himself to the true teachings within Scripture. He has a bachelor's degree in economics from the Colorado College. Prior publications include Dividend Reductions, A Challenge to the Efficient Market Hypothesis, and Submissive Wisdom, which we just talked about. I'm going to go ahead and grab him, bring him on the line. Let's see here. Mm-hmm. Clinton? Hello. Hey, buddy. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing, man? I am doing excellent. Just give me one second while I pull you up on camera so everybody can see you. Let's take a <laughs> second here. Switch that over and make that big. And there we go. So, Clinton, when did you first become interested in Bible prophecy? Well, um, it actually started when I was really, really young. Um, You know, basically what happened is my parents got divorced when I was seven years old. And uh, my mom, you know, was a Christian and she, you know, believed in the Bible. My dad, uh, you know, believed we came from aliens. Um, And so uh, my dad got custody of me and my mom basically gave me a Bible and said, good luck. So I started reading through it and I got to the book of Revelation and uh, was like, what is this? You know, this doesn't make any sense. And my mom was basically like, well, no one understands that book. Don't even worry about it. You know, no one has an idea what it means. So I took that as a challenge. So since that early age, everything that I could find that was associated to prophecy, not only just biblical prophecy, but, you know, like Notre Dame, Edgar Casey, everything else that I could find, I would sit there and, and read and study and try to determine kind of the truth or what, uh, what information was out there of what was developing around the world. Um, and then as it progressed through the years, um, you know, just, I put into more, um, 
what's going on with the world with current events. Um, I received a degree um, in economics, and so I was able to see what was happening, for instance, in the dot-com bubble that happened in 2001 when it crashed there, the housing bubble in 2008, and then what's going on in the economy as well today. Um, and so that combined with you know understanding the geopolitical issues around the world and then looking backwards, understanding what prophecy says and then looking back at what is happening in the world today and then you can kind of see – what is developing to get to the end game. And so by putting those pieces together, you know, was able to, to kind of see a lot of what is, what is happening and what is uh, occurring around the world. Is this a story that started in ancient times? I'm sorry. Uh, the prophecies. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, if you look at the old Testament prophets, you know, a lot of them talked not only about the coming of the Messiah, you know, which is Jesus Christ, but also the, the end times and what would occur during the, the time of the end and the events that would occur during the time of the end. And for, you know, the, the Old Testament prophets are a lot about kind of like the book of Revelation. A lot of people didn't understand what the Old Testament prophets are talking about until it started coming into light within current events today. So as things are developing, we, we see, okay, well, this is what the, the prophet of Ezekiel was talking about. You know, this is what Isaiah was explaining. You know, the, these are what these, these ancient prophets were talking about because we see those developments happening within the, the, the world today. Um, the one that's getting a lot of attention right now is, is the prophet Ezekiel and how he talked about the, the Gog and Magog war that would develop within the Middle East, um, which is basically – uh, Russia and Iran combined with Turkey, uh, uh, Ethiopia, um, all coming together against Israel and Libya is involved in that as well, um, all coming and invading Israel at the time of the end. And you can see those alliances being placed on the, the global scale at this point right now. So when you start to see events happening you know, on the news and they were talked about within prophecy, then you have to pay attention to what is actually happening. Did you can do you still pay attention to Nostradamus or do you mostly stick to biblical stuff now? I I don't really pay too much attention to Notre Dame except for what is kind of being presented. Um, a lot of his quatrains, um, you know, there's a lot of fake ones that have been presented out there. There's a lot of things that have um been kind of proven false or that we really don't understand what's going on. You know, I even saw an article the other day that said that he uh, predicted this coronavirus that's coming up um, that's developing within China and is going to spread across the globe. The one thing that's interesting about Notre Dame is a lot of his prophecies are consistent with what scripture says as well. You know, because he talks about, you know, the uh, Notre Dame actually had three antichrists that would rise. Um, and one of them he called Hitler, which you know, a lot of people say that was Hitler, and that the, the uh, descriptions of that are pretty clear. Another was uh, Alexander the Great, um, and his descriptions of that are very clear as well. Um, but there was a third one that would arise, um, which is the one that is spoken about within the scriptures, which is supposed to rise at the end, which would be kind of encompassed in, in uh, you know a third world war and, and stuff like that. So. I pay mostly about what's happening when it comes to the scriptures at this point, just because they're so in your face. Um, it used to be when I would start, you know, studying that there wasn't anyone talking about any of this stuff. And now you go on YouTube, you go on the internet and, and everyone is a prophecy scholar. Everyone, you know, says they understand what's happening around the world and what's happening within prophecy. And, there's so many predictions coming out um, that you don't know who is telling the truth and who is not, um, which is also 
part of what scripture says would happen as well, this great deception that would occur to where people would just want to hear whatever they wanted to hear and not necessarily have sound doctrine. And that's happening across the globe. And so for someone that may not understand exactly what the scriptures say, when you're looking at these different you know, prophecies or these different speakers saying these different prophecies, it's hard to determine what is truth and what is not. You know, and that is is one thing that I really pride myself on is sticking as close to what the scripture says um, when it comes to the events that are occurring. Um, a lot of my writings, it's you know, it takes the scriptures and goes, "This is what the scriptures say, and this is what our society is doing. This is the events that are happening." So you can correlate those two, so that way you're not making stuff up. You're not trying to present things that that you know would be wishful or something that you think is going to happen, but more kind of what scripture is actually saying. Was there any significance to 9-11 as far as revelations goes? Well, I mean, you can sit there and go into, you know, um, you know, Reverend Kahn talked about, you know, he wrote a book about the Harbingers. And, and he goes into a lot of detail about what he believed is, is the symbolic judgment that is going to occur against the United States and how he – originally was uh, the same kind of judgments put against uh, Israel um, prior. And the, and the same kind of – I think a good correlation. Um, I do definitely think that the United States is, is coming under judgment. And that is where the, the prophecies kind of come into place. Um, it, a lot of people, when you look through you know, the scripture, they, they don't see the United States within prophecy at all. And you know some people are trying to – put the United States within the prophecy by saying, you know, the eagle's wings, you know, they're associated to uh, the lion um, are going to be plucked and that as the United States. Um, also that, you know, the eagle's wings within Revelation 12 is where the, the Jews are going to have refuge. And, and they're trying to put the, the United States within these, these two kind of realms to, to portray the United States in a positive light in, in kind of like the, uh, the refuge of the world or the, the savior location of the world. Um, it's more close to the association to Babylon. Um, the new Babylon that is actually going to be present during the time of the end um, is more associated to economic power and more associated to exportation of its assets. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's specific instruction to say that uh, the world will mourn because no merchants around the world will purchase their Good, or that the um, singers and musicians from Babylon will no longer be heard around the world. And there's so many characteristics that are presented about the new Babylon that look like the United States. And so when you understand that the correlation between the new Babylon and the United States are actually in place, when the new Babylon is destroyed within Revelations, you can understand that the United States is going to be in that realm. And how it's described that the new Babylon is destroyed is it's destroyed in one hour. Um, and it's to be never inhabited again. Um, you can interpret that any way that you want. A lot of people are talking about nuclear holocaust, talking about you know that something happens to where the United States is no longer a world power, um, and that could be associated to some kind of economic collapse, which is associated to one of the seals in Revelations um, that talks about an economic collapse or that a hyperinflation is more more accurate. So when you take those into consideration. The United States being the world economic power, if the United States is no longer in control of the currencies around the world, you know, through the use of the petrodollar, which is disappearing right now, then 
that's very possibility that Babylon the Great could actually fall, that the United States could fall, and it could happen very quickly. Um, if for some reason the the U.S. dollar is no longer used around the globe, then the only place that would actually use it would be the United States. That would cause hyperinflation, and, and that would cause the value of the dollar to basically tank, um, cost of goods to go through the roof, which is exactly what the third seal of the apocalypse talks about. Um, so – so, so a lot of these are correlating, but 9-11 specifically, um, no. There's nothing in previews that talk about that occurring itself. But when you look at the harbingers in a way or the understanding of what that represents, it's just the beginning of the judgment against the, the nation of Babylon. And what would be the whore of Babylon then? Well, the whore rides on top. Um, and when you look at what's 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 happening, the the horror is actually kind of what controls Babylon. Um, and when you look at what is it's adorned with, it's more of kind of the depiction of um, because the horror of Babylon is actually Babylon the Great. The horror sits on top of the beast um, and rides the beast. And the beast, when you look through the, the prophecies of Daniel, it actually depicts there's two different beasts that are presented. One, if you go through the actual uh, uh, statue of Nebuchadnezzar, you understand that that uh, beast is the Catholic Church, the, the, the Pope in essence, um, which is kind of controlled the uh, Catholic or the Christian faith. When you expand that into the United States, the United States is representing pretty much the Christian uh, nation across the globe. Um, that is where our stance is. So when you see the correlation between the Pope and the correlation between the Christian faith, you see how the beast and the, um, the harlot are together. Um, the reason that it's, it's spoken of as a harlot is because of the blasphemies that are speaking against um, the church and against God, basically. And when you look at the teachings that are coming out of a lot of the, the teachings within the church, they're no longer consistent with what Jesus actually said, what the, the main foundation of the Christian faith was. It's more kind of based off of either prosperity or based off of you know trying to um, – you know, evangelize the world or, or trying to um, make it to where, you know, we're going to escape in a rapture or whatever the, the twist of the scripture is, it's no longer based off of, you know, finding your salvation and finding uh, Christ and actually, you know, atoning for your sins and, and rising uh, based off of that. It's more about the, the other aspects of what Christianity could actually give you. And what would be the first signs that we will see to let us know that we are indeed entering into the end times? Well, this is a matter of uh, debate. A lot of people talk about that the because the book of Daniel talks about there's seventy weeks uh, that are set alone to uh, basically until the uh, uh, destruction of the temple and the return of the Messiah. Uh, 69 of those uh, weeks are set up for the, when the Messiah is actually cut off. So that's when Christ was actually killed was at the end of the 69th week. Then there's a gap, and then the 70th week is what people call the tribulation. The seven years uh, a week is seven years, and that's how they come up with a seven-year tribulation period. Um, a lot of people are you know, stating that the beginning of that tribulation period is the signing of the peace treaty. Um, there's a lot of teaching saying that the beginning of the tribulation is the rapture, which is not true. 
Um, the other aspect of it is the possible opening of the first seal. And the first seal is the rise of the Antichrist. Um, so you have, you have a couple possibilities that could occur, but there's not one specific thing that happens that says this is the beginning of it. Now, the signing of a peace treaty um, is one that should spark everyone's interest for the sheer fact that the one that confirms the peace treaty is the Antichrist. It's not necessarily the one, and it's, it's uh, it described as a covenant of many. Um, so a lot of people say that's a covenant between Israel and the world or, or a covenant between many nations, um, and, they, and they narrow that down to a peace treaty within the Middle East, um, or, and also the foundation or the uh, decree to build the third temple. Um, those events are supposed to possibly happen on Tuesday. Um, everyone knows about the deal of the century with President Trump on how he is uh, trying to make a peace deal in the Middle East and how um, everyone has is, is been waiting for three years for this peace deal to be released. Um, well, it's going to be released on Tuesday. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and Benny Gantz, um, who are running for election for the third time in Israel, are coming to Washington to meet with Trump to review the details as they present the, the peace treaty on Tuesday. So is it going to go through? Is it going to be signed by the other Arab nations? Um, there's a good speculation there is. The information that's been kind of leaked out to the world um, mimic the peace treaty or the agreement that is talked about within prophecy. Um, and the big sticking point is the city of Jerusalem. And this is, this is where it's going to be interesting because we understand during the, in the book of revelation that the temple Mount, which is where the third temple is to be built, will be given to the Jews, but the land around it will not. It will be given to the Gentiles. as how it's described. So, the fact that we've had speculations through the years that Jerusalem would be made an international city in charge of by the Pope, um, that it would be split between East and West Jerusalem, that, that the Palestinians would have half the city as their capital and Israel would have half the city as a capital. We'll see how those details come out on Tuesday. But the one thing that we know is currently the western half of the city is Israeli. The eastern half is Palestinian. So that's where the majority of those people live. But the Temple Mount is on the eastern half of the city. So if the Jews are to receive the Temple Mount so they can build their temple, that would mean they would be in the midst of the Palestinian area. So we'll see if that actually materializes or what happens. But the fact we have a very strong possibility of the um, peace treaty being presented and agreed upon um, next week is very interesting, uh, something we have to pay attention to. Um, the other thing that's been kind of um, leaked out is that there's a possibility of a land deal uh, between Jordan, who currently owns the Temple Mount, and Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is going to pay Jordan a massive amount of money to then have the Temple Mount as, as their ownership. And part of that would be to then allow Israel to build their, their temple. But that would also mean Saudi Arabia would own all three of the Islamic um, most holy sites, Mecca, Medina, and Jerusalem, um, which of course would anger Iran and Turkey and everyone else associated with the Muslim faith that doesn't believe the Saudi Arabia should control those, which could 
cause turmoil and war within the Middle East, which is prophesied within Scripture as well. So all those things are are materializing all at the same time. So it may not be one event that occurs that causes all of them. Um, it may happen in rapid succession, but the fact that that peace tree is coming out on Tuesday is, is something we have to pay attention to. Is the thing that sets everything off, is this going to be a conflict or war that begins in Israel? It's a possibility um, because there's there's a lot of speculation that the, the, the Gog-Magog war, uh, which is where the alliance of countries that uh, are you know Russia, Iran, Turkey, uh, Libya, and, and Ethiopia all invade Israel. Um, that is a strong possibility that that war – causes it um the only thing is is the chances are that's probably not what starts it um because we ultimately know how how that war ends and how that war ends is is israel basically gets their tail kicked all the way to the point that all that's left is is the city of jerusalem and the city of jerusalem is about to be destroyed by this alliance of armies that come into israel um, and the only thing that saves them is is God Almighty coming down and on the Temple Mount or on the Mount of Olives, splitting the mountain in half and speaking a word which kills the armies uh, that are invading Israel. So, so chances are that's probably closer to the, the end, or closer to you know the beginning of God's wrath, uh, because after that is when, of course, His wrath against those that the mark and were um, against the you know the, against his people and against him um, are you know basically destroyed. So that's probably happening a little later. Chances are this peace treaty may you know there's speculation that the Psalms 83 war hasn't happened yet, um, which is basically the surrounding nations of Israel attack Israel as well, um, and they're defeated. Uh, they're you know, they don't take out Israel. Um, some people say that that was a six-day war that occurred in 1967, um, that all the surrounding nations attacked Israel and destroyed them. Um, the one event that kind of starts the apocalypse, not necessarily the seventh week, would be the creation of the Israeli state, which happened in 1948. Uh, prophecy says that uh, the that the Jewish people would be spat, you know, scattered amongst the nations and ultimately brought back to Israel. Um, that happened in 1948. Um, from that point is kind of the beginning of the development of the end times. So it's not just like a seven-year period. But the interesting thing is in the book of Numbers, it talks about the – uh, the age of a generation, which is 70 years or through strength is 80 years. Um, and we're told within scripture that when the end times start, that everything will be fulfilled within the same generation. So the gen- generation that sees the first sign will see the last sign. So you take 1948, you add 70 years, that's 2018. You add 80 years, that's 2028. So there's your time frame of how long this, according to prophecy, is supposed to partake. It should, at the very latest, end in 2028. And if you're going to have a seven-year period that ends in 2028, then you can kind of do the math and see that we're getting very close to the beginning of that. 
Is there an Illuminati out there that is pushing us towards an end times conflict? Well, I think that's the agenda of the, you know, the people in power anyhow. Um, not only do you have the Illuminati that are, you know, fighting for global dominance at this time, um, which is what we're told it will happen is there'll be a one world government, a one world religion, a one world economic system. And of course, one person at the top of that who has 10 kings that rule underneath him. That's the, the, the plan. That's the agenda. That's exactly what you would say the Illuminati are trying to do. And you can also say that's exactly what the religious right is trying to do as well, that they're trying to cause these events to occur to bring about their Messiah. You can say that the Islamic nation is trying to do the same thing. They're trying to cause chaos to bring about the 12th Iman. You know, so not only the Illuminati, but you have these other fashions that are all striving for the same exact thing who may not be necessarily on the same side, but they're all striving for the same exact thing. The one thing that we know is ultimately someone wins. Someone is in control of the entire world um, who is the epitome of it and basically is a dictator who depicts, you know, dictates everything that needs to go on, go on around the world. And you have to abide by the rules of that society or you will be killed. Um, that is exer- exactly the Luciferian Illuminati kind of agenda. That is exactly what um, you know is spoken about within prophecy, and you can see that developing. So it doesn't matter who you say is causing it. Um, the ultimate outcome is we will know who that person is in very short order because that person is the one that confirms the peace treaty. He is also the same one that – and this is the – when he ultimately causes the um, destruction against people around the world is when the third temple is actually built. And when he goes into the Holy of Holies, the place that um, only the high priest and, and God supposedly represent and go into, goes into the Holy of Holies and desecrates it of some sort. Some people say that he proclaims himself as God. Some people say he kills himself. Some people, whatever he does, he desecrates it. And at that point, the whole world it, it witnesses it. And the Jews are told that when that happens, to flee. Don't even go downstairs and grab your coat. Just run and run to the mountains because that, at that time is when the Antichrist basically causes his wrath against the people. So – we have these events that are showing who is going to be this character that rises. And those are the two main, main that you will know who he is. What about these UFOs and alien abductions are what we think of as aliens, actually demonic beings. Well, I guess the best way that, that I was ever just, you know, described it, it is when Adam and Eve did what they did and there was that fall from grace is mankind was locked into like pretty much like a different dimension. Before that happened, God walked with Adam. Adam walked with God. Adam had all the knowledge and understanding that God had and, and, you know, God shared everything with Adam. After that event happened, mankind was judged. Mankind was guilty. Mankind was no longer in that realm of with God. And we were ultimately separated. So we're kind of trapped in this, the best way to describe it is in dimension. Um, And so we are unable to escape in a way. And that's why we actually had to have, you know, 
Jesus sent to earth to live on earth and die the way he did is because ultimately blood was not something that was even in the equation. When you look at the book of uh, Genesis, it always talks about flesh and bone, flesh and bone, flesh and bone. Never talks about blood. But then ultimately when the fall of man occurred, everything was about blood. I mean, you go into the the Nephilim, they talk about the giants. You go into fallen angels, they talk, you know, they talk about the blood. Um, even with the UFOs, it's it's about fluids. Everything is about that aspect of things, which is non-existent before the fall of man. And so that's why it was so important to have uh, um, the Messiah, the the um, you know, the Son of God, to spill blood, which is something unnatural at the beginning for for God to have or to spill in that essence. So that opened up the ability for us to, in an essence, be able to escape this dimension. Um, when it comes to the UFOs, it comes to the abductions, it comes to you know the fallen angels, you have to look back into the sixth chapter of Genesis that talked about how um, angels left their original estate to come down and have wives of their own, and their offspring were the, the Nephilim. The men of renown, the, the giants, basically, um, and you can look through mythology, either Greek mythology or you know Roman mythology or whatever the lineage is, and you can see these characters that are depicted and how they were represented that the way they were. You look into the Book of Enoch, and it talks about the same exact thing. A lot of people are going to disregard the Book of Enoch, but it's referenced and quoted in the book of James, which is in the Bible, and Jesus himself referenced the book of Enoch. The story of the book of Enoch is basically that um, he's Noah's grandfather and that uh, Noah took a copy of the book of Enoch on the ark with him, and that's how he was able to uh, survive. And they ultimately found copies of it in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and that's how they were able to understand what was written in the book of Enoch. The book of Enoch talks about the time of when the angels – left their states, the, the watchers came down and were living on earth with man. And it talks about how the ultimately they knew that the judgment of God was going to be upon them. And they, Enoch, will you go to God and, you know, barter on our behalf and say, we're, we're good guys. You know, we don't need to go to hell. We don't need to be judged against you. So Enoch was able to talk with God, and God's like, no, that's not how it works. The angels are supposed to talk on your behalf, not the other way around. And they are condemned for hell, and that is where the lake of fire was created, was created for those beings. So when those beings leave their estate and come to earth and do whatever they are doing within mankind, that is, that is them leaving their estate and ultimately condemning themselves to the lake of fire. Um, and we, we know from the fall of Lucifer, a third of the angels left with him. So, yeah, there's a strong possibility that these beings are the fallen angels. They are you know, beings that are, are trying to persuade man to believe a different way or to maneuver a different way or, or to just question everything or to be you know, abducted, whatever it may be. But those beings their own torment and their own judgment that will come. And I think that as things develop, we're going to see those things materialize as well. Um, where, you know, Book of Revelations talks about uh, a, a key is, is given to an angel who comes down and opens up the bottomless pit and releases the locusts that come out of the bottomless pit. Well, according to you know the Book of Enoch and others uh, reference 
experiences. It talks about how these watchers, these um, you know, these fallen angels were put into the center of the earth as their torment. The Nephilim, the offspring of those, were put in the center of the earth as their torment. And so this angel's given a key to the bottomless pit to release these beings again. So you can interpret that however you want to, but that is what we're told within Scripture. So it is a possibility that maybe that has been opened. Uh, it's a possibility that maybe what's happening in CERN is opening those gates right now. Um, and, and it could be something that we're going to actually witness and experience in the physical realm on more uh, <laughs> more of a reality, as you could say. What exactly is the tribulation and when do you feel it will begin? Well, the tribulation is the, the seven-year period of time that is talked about as, as Daniel's seventh week. Um, you know, like I uh, explained earlier, my belief is that it has to happen within the same generation that saw the first sign, and the first sign would technically be the creation of the Israeli state. Um, with the creation of the Israeli state in 1948, everything has to accumulate in 2028, which means that – 2020, 2021 are going to be the beginnings of a lot of things. Um, we are told that a lot of events uh, will happen before the actual beginning of that seven-year period, and those are called the birth pains. So you're going to see you know, rumors of wars and wars, wars and rumors of wars. You're going to see pestilence. You're going to see disease. You're going to see earthquakes. You're going to see the winds roaring. All those things are the birth pains that's start to happen before the tribulation occurs. And if you look what's happening across the globe right now, I mean, the hurricanes are going crazy. Earthquakes are, are just off the charts. There's a massive one in Turkey the other day, and there is one in Puerto Rico again today. Um, we have war, you know, wars and rumors of wars all across the globe. Everyone's afraid that World War III is going to start somewhere. I saw an article that said 20 places World War III could start in 2020. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. So all of those things are just the buildup. And then ultimately you have that period of time. Um, you know, there's even speculation that the time is cut short, that it's not necessarily seven years, but it's only three and a half years because we're told, you know, there's 1260 days and this is happens in 1260 days, the, the three witnesses or that the, the rise occurs in, in uh, the, the Antichrist reigns for 1260 days or or all these different events that occur. Um, so to answer your question, I think we're, we're going to witness that here very, very soon, the beginning of the actual tribulation period. Right now we're in the birth pains, and, and you can see those just, I mean, look in the coronavirus. You know, what's happening all across China right now and the spreading of this virus all across the globe within such a short period of time. And there's speculation that the numbers that are coming out of China are not even correct. So there's pestilence, there's disease, and it's – if anything was to be that deadly and spread that quickly on a, on a global scale, it will change the atmosphere and change the world as we know it. What is wormwood, and is that word important? Yeah, wormwood is uh, um, the name given to basically an asteroid that falls from uh, the sky. And it falls into the waters, and it kills the waters. I believe it falls into the ocean. Um, and it kills everything within the ocean. Um, some people are trying to associate Wormwood to, you know, like a nuclear disaster that happened, say, at uh, Fukushima. 
how the radiation is killing all the animals in the ocean and how that radiation is spreading across to where it's contaminating the water. Um, some people are associating that, but, but the description that is given for Wormwood is an actual like asteroid that falls from the earth or from the sky and contaminates and, and destroys the waters. How about this thing people are talking about where Donald Trump's name almost sounds like trumpet? Any significance to that? There's there's a lot of significance to it. Um, you know, there's even a reference to the last Trump. Um doesn't even say trumpet. It says Trump. Um, you know, the some people are saying that Trump pence. So Trump and then pence is trumpets. Same kind of thing. Um to be honest, Trump's role in all of this, I think, is is still fluid. Um, what what disturbs me about him at this point is the cult-like following that he has within the Christian community, to where he can do no wrong, and that if you do not follow Trump and you are not a Republican, you cannot be a Christian. Um, the fact that he is pursuing a peace treaty in the Middle East, and we know that the Antichrist is the one that confirms the peace treaty, um, his position is still f- – some people are saying that he's the Antichrist. Some people are saying that he's the savior of the United States, that the United States is going to be a beacon of hope for the time during the tribulation, which is not true. Um is he the Antichrist? We don't necessarily know because the only way that you can really associate to him is the Antichrist is the one that is um, basically from Daniel's depiction of the uh, statue of Nebuchadnezzar. Um, ultimately, you follow the lineage. Uh, it shows from one empire being destroyed and conquered by another. And that's basically the uh, Babylonian Empire that's conquered by the um, Medo and Persia empire that's conquered by the greek empire that's conquered by the roman empire that is ultimately conquered by the roman catholic church which is still technically an empire still controlled and that's how the association to saying that the the pope is the antichrist that's how a lot of people associate with it so to put trump into that is a little bit of a stretch unless you sit there and you say okay well the catholic church is basically the over control of God's people, just like all the other nations were over control of God's people. And ultimately through the Catholic church, you have the separation between the Catholics and the Protestants. And if you look at that separation, then you have the United States, which is basically kind of a, uh, an offshoot of that pursuit of religious freedom from the and the Puritans, which were the Protestant belief, which then associates Trump to that. So it's, it's kind of a stretch to put him in that realm but we are looking at scriptures. We're looking at trying to interpret everything. And there's a lot of events that the Antichrist performs, a lot of things that he does that Trump is trying to do. And that's what's, what's really scary. So that's why watching this peace treaty is going to be so important. Because ultimately for the Pope to still be the Antichrist, Trump's peace treaty has to fail. Or – the Catholic Church and the Pope have to step in and be the one to kind of ratify this peace treaty. And then that would solidify that and that would make Trump off the hook. But if Trump goes in and gets his peace deal done, everyone signs it, and he's the one that confirms it, 
that's your main telltale at that point. And then you have to recognize that, okay, well, we have to look at him for who he, he is according to prophecy. We have to look at it. Is the, the treaty itself the one that's depicted within scripture, which a lot of the uh, religious right is saying that it's not going to be, that it's not the peace treaty. But I'm sorry, if you're going to make any kind of peace treaty that's associated to anything that could be the fulfillment of prophecy during a time when a lot of scholars are saying this is the fulfillment of prophecy and this is the time that things are occurring, it makes sense that that would be the treaty. So it's going to come out in the next week, which is kind of incredible but also scary as well. Would you agree that the disappearance of species and trees and the environment in general dying is a clear sign that we are either approaching or we are in the end of days? Yeah, it's... uh... Uh, a lot of the trumpets and the bulls, when they're poured out, it talks about the death of animals, the, the burning of the trees. Um, ultimately, we're told that the earth is going to be used up like um, um, like trash, basically. Um, that it's just going to be used up and kind of thrown away. Um, that the when certain bulls are poured out and certain trumpets are poured out, a third of the the animals be killed in the ocean. A third of the animals be killed on the land. You know, and so when you see, for instance, what happened in Australia with the fire in Australia, they're saying that the inhabitant of a lot of those animals is non-existent and will never be existent. The koala is technically extinct right now because it will not be able to survive because its habitat is completely destroyed. Um, we're witnessing, you know. For instance, like birds flying through the air and just a whole flock of birds just falling dead in the in the air. Uh, we're witnessing the fish kill. They're happening in the oceans all across the globe and also in the uh, lakes and rivers where thousands upon thousands of fish are just dying and then rising to the top and floating to the, the shore. Um, whales beaching themselves on, in just crazy areas and then hundreds of them doing it. Um, so, yeah, the, the death of the animals, the – the death of the planet in an essence um, or the destruction of the planet is all depicted within scripture. Um, God promised that he would never destroy it by water again. And that's why we have the rainbow, you know, is a promise by God given to man saying, I will never destroy the earth by water again, but next time I do it, it'll be by fire. And, and we are seeing that materialize now. Are Christians going to be persecuted, and should they be prepping right now? Yes, they will be persecuted. Um, and it's anyone that does not partake in the system is going to be persecuted. Um, so I think there's going to be that, that echelon of people that may not understand um, scripture or may not believe in scripture, but they also are not going to go along with the, the government putting a chip in people's hands. Um, go along with, with the system to where they have to have some kind of mark, otherwise they can't buy or sell. Um, and the way that Scripture depicts it is it says that you know this is the mark of the beast. It's it's either it's on your right hand or your forehead, um, and it's in those in those um, portions of your body, and you will not be able to buy or sell without it. Um, and if you do not take this mark of the beast, you will be killed. So the persecution is there and, and Christ himself talks about how you will be offered up um, to you know leaders and to governments and killed on his behalf um, 
so yeah, that persecution is real. And that persecution, if you look at what's happening in Africa, you look what's happening in the Middle East, you look what's happening in China, there's many, many Christians that are being persecuted on a massive scale right now. They're talking about that the Christians in Iraq are almost extinct because of the persecution in there. The the stuff that's happening in China is amazing. The persecution against Christians and Muslims, um, how they're coming in and they're basically arresting everyone within the Christian church. Uh, they're taking Muslims and putting them into re-education camps. Um, all on the basis of they don't believe in religion on that aspect of things. So this persecution is already here and it's already happening. We in the first world or in, in the you know Western world haven't seen it on the scale that we're going to see it. But ultimately, I think when the currency crashes, when we are all in a problem of a new economic system to where everything's going to be based off of your kind of your allegiance to the government, your allegiance to this system, that's when a lot of the Western world is going to wake up. And they're going to see that we're actually in a time that was prophesied about. When the decision actually comes down to, do I put something in my hand or my forehead to show my allegiance to the system so that way I can live day to day? Or do I live on the streets and be hunted down? And that decision, unfortunately... Looks like it's right across the the you know right across the street basically. Um, in China, you look at their social credit system that they're put in place, and if you do not have a good social credit score, which means if you jaywalk, you get a ding. If you smoke a cigarette and you throw the butt out, you get a ding. They have cameras everywhere, so they know everything you're doing. If your social credit score drops to a certain point, you can't get a ticket on the bus, you can't buy a house, you can't get a job. You can't leave the city. You can't do anything because your social credit's too low. So that, I believe, is a precursor of the system that is is developing and going to be implemented soon. So, in that case, are are, are smart devices the beginning of the mark? I think that they are conditioning people to get used to being tracked. Um, you know, there used to be privacy. No one wanted to have GPS because they didn't want to be tracked. They were afraid that people were going to listen to them in their computers or on their phones. Um, they were afraid, you know, that privacy is going to be an issue. And now you just go on Facebook and everyone tells you everything they're doing. They tell you where you're going. Um, you, you know, you go on Twitter, you know, where everyone's been. Um, you have the location devices. So as soon as you post something, it tells you where you're located at. You know, there's even Tinder came out with where you can sit there and push a button when you're on a date that alerts the police if you don't like the person you're dating and feel threatened. Um, so all those privacy issues are are going away. All those tracking things that people used to be afraid of are going away. And that was implemented through the use of smart devices. Ultimately, you know, I mean, you have, for instance, Google Glass, you know, where people could actually see and, and the social credit system in China is designed where they ultimately, when you meet someone, you can see their social credit score. You can see everything about them through a, basically kind of like Google Glass. And they're working on putting those things in as, you know, contact lenses so you can wear them and you can see them. So, yeah, technology is going to play a major role in the transformation into this new society um, that is depicted. Would it be a good idea to have a bunker or is that going too far or should we be should we remain mobile? Well, I think that's a personal preference. 
Um, I mean, if you look at any of these, you know, apocalyptic movies or whatever, those that have bunkers don't last very long. Those that are mobile um, and continue moving tend to survive a little bit better. Um, but that's personal preference, you know. I mean, if you have a the funds to make a bunker and stock it up with food and you're just going to live down there for 15 years or however long you think you need to live, um, go for it. Um, scripture actually says that when these, uh, hundred pound hailstones start to fall, that men will hide in the caves of the mountains. Um, that when they start to see the wrath of God come upon the earth, that they will hide in the cave, in the caves and they will go to the mountains. So scripture says people will do exactly that. Um, does that give them sanctuary? Does that give them protection? Well, it depends on who you're trying to be protected from. If you're trying to be protected against the government, maybe, because they may not find you. But if you're trying to protect yourself from the Almighty, he's going to find you. So it, it just depends on how you want to play the game at that level. Are certain movies prophetic, like maybe Road Warrior or Terminator, of what's to come? Um, I think a lot of the um, movies that, that are kind of hits have a hint of revelation or hint of prophecy within them. Um, you take Demolition Man, for instance, and it has the mark of the beast within that movie. Um, you have Minority Report that talks about how they arrest people before um, you know crimes are committed. Um, you, you have the surveillance state shown in so many different movies and so many different avenues. I think, I think it is a way of either conditioning or a way of warning men of what is happening. Um, yeah. So I, I do think that those movies have a hint of it. Yes. Are they going after children? Are children being corrupted? Of course. Um, if you look at it, you know, for instance, the, the, I guess you could say the role model or the figure to follow on how to manipulate a society to do what you want them to do would be the Nazi regime during World War II. Um, and if you look at what Hitler did in that realm, yeah, they indoctrinated the beliefs of the children so that way they would turn against the adults and then the adults would then have to do what they needed to do. Um, that That is part of the playbook. So, of course, you start with the children and you get them thinking in a certain way and then they're going to be very difficult to change their mind. Um, we also know that through you know movies and through other parts of history that when the children are changed and they – are along with the state and they ultimately will turn on the parents and turn the parents in if they do not go along with it. So it's an easy tactic to pursue. And you can sit there and you can say, well, the public education system is causing this or, you know, that homeschool, you know, they're, they're not being educated according to standards of the society, only through, you know, the teachings of the parents. Or you can sit there and say that TV, video games, music, it, YouTube, internet, anything is, is indoctrinating our, our children. And I think it's indoctrinating our society in general. I mean, if you, if you look at just, for instance, violence, you look at murder, um, you know, maybe in the wild, wild west days, if you were an outlaw, you might see maybe 20 people get shot, you know, and I think that'd be with a couple shootouts, you know, um, now, if you watch a John Wick movie, uh, there's, he has 358 confirmed kills and another 92 unconfirmed kills in the movie. I mean, that's just one movie. So the expansion of violence within our society, the expansion of, of getting people to where they're desensitized, 
um, is happening not only to the children, but it's happening to all of us. Will the Antichrist rule from Rome? Well, that's, again, kind of speculation based on, based off of the prophecies from Daniel. And that's where a lot of people associate the Pope as the Antichrist and that he rules from Rome. Um, we don't really know for sure. What we do know is that the Antichrist rules over the entire earth and that he has 10 kings spread across the globe who rule on his behalf and their only duty is to give him glory. And that there's also a false prophet and the false prophet is actually the one that in, incorporates the mark of the beast. That is the one that says you will worship the image of the beast and that you will take his mark. So something happens to the beast to where an image is created of him that can speak, that can walk. Um, a lot of people are saying that this is either AI, um, that this is um, a clone, uh, that this is you know some kind of technology that we may not have seen that is causing this image to be. Um, but there, it's been spoken through for a long time that that would be the Pope, that would be this the Antichrist and that his image would be the one that everyone would be required to worship. When things get really bad and the Christians become a persecuted minority, are they, are they going to get any spiritual powers to help them defend themselves? Yeah. The um, scripture talks about the gifts of the spirit and we don't know the impact of the gift of the Spirit, but for instance, like the gift of wisdom, the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing, the gift of speaking in tongues, the gift of interpretation. You know, those are all different things that are given, the gift of faith. Um, we are told by, in the book of Thessalonians, that the Thessalonians had the gift of faith. And we're also told that the gift of faith can move mountains. So if you take that as a literal interpretation, if you are presented with the gift of faith from the Holy Spirit, you will have the ability to move a mountain. That's a literal interpretation of that. But what we do know is that um, the God's Spirit will be poured out upon his people during the time of the end. And it talks about how they will prophesy. Men and women um, both will do that. Free and bound will, will be able to prophesy, will have the gifts of the Spirit. And I personally believe that those other gifts will also be given according to the will of the Holy Spirit. Because it says that the Holy Spirit will give the gifts according to its will and according to what the individual will need to accomplish during that time. So, yeah, I, I do think that there'll be a supernatural protection that is given to people that believe. Does that mean that they're not going to die? No, ultimately, they're probably going to die. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, those that die during the tribulation, as long as, as the longer they survive, the more of a reward they're given for eternity. And that is the reason that you're told to endure to the end. Because those that ultimately are here on earth that see the Messiah's return in the clouds, they are given the ultimate blessing in a way to where they will be pillars within uh, the kingdom of God. So, and you want to endure to the end, you hopefully will be given the gifts of the Spirit to help you accomplish that. But also when you die during that and you die on Christ's behalf, not taking the mark, you're guaranteed entrance into heaven. And you are also guaranteed a reward for enduring for as long as you did.
So it's it's gonna pay off for us to stick around and dig our heels in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I was always told that uh, by a lot of people that if the tribulation starts, I just want to be killed off right away so I don't have to deal with anything. Well, okay, that that's one way to look at it, but it's more of a empowering move to work and try to endure to survive as long as you can to bring about the fulfillment of prophecy and the fulfillment of the return of Christ. And the more you do, the longer you survive, the more that you're light to this world during a time of darkness, the more good you're doing on his behalf. And then the reward is greater for doing that. So yes, dig in your heels, fight as long as you can, survive as long as you can, knowing that the ultimate end game is to bring glory to God by your testament, by your actions, by what you're doing to show the world that this is something we were warned about that was going to happen. It's happening now, and this is what we're supposed to do. And being that example. Is it okay for us to stockpile guns to defend ourselves with? Well, that's a personal preference. What Scripture says will happen is that if you use the sword – you will be killed by the sword. If you go, if you put people in captivity, you will be put into captivity. So whatever you do will be done upon you. So if you stockpile guns and you plan on using those guns, you're going to go down in that same way. If you prefer to be a pacifist and not pursue war and pursue guns, then that is how it's going to be portrayed to you as well. Ultimately, the end is probably going to be the same, but I mean, it's it's your personal preference if you want to, you know, take the chance of of having those guns turn against you or having, for instance, what happened with the Branch Davidians, having that happen to you as well. Because what we know from just the United States government in general, if you're stockpiling guns and you're a religious fanatic or you they believe you're a religious fanatic, they will turn against you and they will use that same force against you. And that is exactly what Scripture says will happen. Why is it that you believed the Bible and Revelations as opposed to what your father believed in terms of ancient astronauts and aliens being our creators? Well, what uh, what I did is I studied everything that I could. I tried to study all the major religions. I tried to look into the UFO phenomenon. I tried to uh, read the Bible and, and study that. And my whole goal was that if if prophecy – is real and scripture says it is and that prophecy is God's way of showing that he exists. And so if you can prove that prophecy is being fulfilled, then you prove that God exists. And, you know, so here I am looking at what the scriptures say, looking at what prophecy says is going to happen and then watching the news and seeing these events occur or these events moving towards what is prophesied about. For me, it was a way to prove to myself that God existed. And that the more that I dug into it, the more that I studied everything around and put the pieces together, the more solidified my faith. Have you had any supernatural experiences? Hmm. Um, I, I'll, I'll leave that for another conversation. Uh-oh. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking uh, yes. <laughs> there, there's... Um, Tell us about the demons. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> no, no, there, there's no, there's no demons. There's a, 
um, there isn't a, you know, just an example, for instance, I'm, uh, laying in my bed, praying, meditating, um, and, and, uh, I feel this, this feeling come about me and I feel like I am no longer laying on the bed. Um, and I'm praying at the time and I'm like, when is this stuff going to start? When is, is, you know, you, you have me studying prophecy. You have me looking at what's going on. Why is this important? When, it, when are things going to, going to start? And this was in 2000. And uh, uh, I was told 225 days or whatever the time was. And then all of a sudden I felt like I was laid back down and I opened my eyes. So I went directly to the calendar and I counted out the, a number of days and I circled that day. That day came and I watched the news like crazy. I was like, what's going on here? And nothing on the news whatsoever. So I was like, okay, this is just me hallucinating and me doing something. The very next day is when George Bush first bombed Iraq and Saddam Hussein, um, which would be the beginning of the evolution of September 11th and the Iraq war and all the pieces that have developed since then. So almost to the day, I was showed that Iraq would be a – uh, an event that we would need to watch because it'd be the unfolding of everything else. And Clinton, we're reaching the end of the interview, but what I like to do at the end here is just let you go ahead and jump back on the soapbox one more time, if you'd like, or take the pulpit and just say whatever you would like to say to my audience out there. And of course, feel free to go ahead and follow that up with anything at all that you would like to plug this evening. <laughs> Well, it's it's been a pleasure talking with you, and I appreciate you having me on my sh on your show. Um, I hope uh, your audience has enjoyed what they've heard from me. And uh, you know, the the big thing that I try to do is is just present truth the best way that I can. Um, you can go onto my website, which is clintoncoach.com, um, and you can see all the articles that I have written that take scripture and take the verses in scripture and associate them to events that are occurring within the world today, and put those pieces together for anyone that's interested in understanding what prophecy is and understanding what these events are and how they're correlating that is probably the best thing that that you can do i do have two books available on amazon as well uh just type in my name clinton coach and you'll be able to find both of the books or it's also available on my website you can look under the author tab um but the, the biggest thing is is it's so important to watch what's happening around the world because if these events are truly happening and the time frame is truly accurate, then we only have a short period of time to not only prepare but to understand what is happening and have the, the mental fortitude to be able to survive and to know what's going on because a lot of people aren't going to have a clue as to what is developing, what is happening, what is, is in front of us. And if they start to see these events and it horrifies them, you know, Scripture talks about how men's hearts will fail them because they're so afraid of what is happening. And we can see all of that coming to fruition now. So we need to study Scripture while we still can before Scripture is, is you know, taken away, before it's making it to where it's, it's illegal to have Scripture, which will happen ultimately. We need to have a strong foundation in our faith and our relationship with God and with Christ so that we can be seen as one of his so he can have protection given to us or given the gifts or allow us to accomplish what we need to during this time. 
And the biggest thing is while we have time, we need to watch and pay attention. We can't be asleep and be like those out there that are just willing to just, you know, live their day by day and not care about anything. So thank you so much for having me on your show. And and I really appreciate it, man. Likewise, it's really exciting talking to you. You're one of the few people out there that can come on here and speak about the end of days and um, actually know what he's talking about. So thank you very much, Clinton. And I hope to have you on here again. Maybe we can do a little end times update. Yeah, that sounds great. I appreciate that. All right. Excellent. In that case, I will talk to you then, my friend. Great. Thanks. Thank you. Good night. And that was Clinton Cowatch. Very good guest. It's always fun talking about revelations and end of days and stuff like that. I mean, that is what the show is about. So you cannot begrudge me for wanting to talk to one of the best people about this particular topic. I see a lot of questions going on in the chat. Um, Somebody mentioned Tavistock. Uh, what if there's no Antichrist when Messiah will come? Government program used to reject him. Why do they need the Antichrist? They already control everything. Hmm, interesting point. You know what? It'd be cool to talk about some of this stuff, but let's go ahead and take a quick break. I will be back after the break, and we will talk some more.
And welcome back, oops, welcome back to the end of days. It's your boy, the D to the A to the end. That's right, it's me, Daniel, the wild Cocker Spaniel, adjusting my mic. Oh boy, oh boy. How you guys doing? What's going on? Let me adjust my camera. Now remember, those of you that like this show and you like to listen to this show you can actually watch this show now you can watch this show because we now have video if you go to youtube and you find the end of days radio channel you can watch the show streamed live you can put your phone down or just listen you can always go back and rewatch the live stream if you prefer a little bit of video I mean, not a whole ton of stuff to see, but if you like to see my smiling face and you like to actually see what the guest looks like and you like to see me play with these weird instruments, not play with my instrument, of course, I'm talking about these instruments, then you might want to just check it out. You might want to check out the live show. You might want to participate in the chat room. That's why we do this. So we have a little place where we can congregate and have good times. And it's nice because I can pick stuff up and show it on camera too. Like I could show my monster energy drink. I'm sure you've never seen one of those before. <laughs> As you guys know, this is the second show of the day. We did do a show earlier. And I don't have a ton and ton of stuff I want to talk about because this is the second show and I only have so much gas in the tank. But I did want to talk a little bit about Bernie. Barney, also known as Crazy Bernie. I am disgusted. All these people in friggin' Seattle, they're all Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders. And if you don't like Bernie Sanders, they have a problem with you. They want to know why you're not voting for Bernie Sanders and why you're, why you're so stupid that you wouldn't vote for the almighty, magnificent, amazing Bernie. You know, never mind the fact that the guy's like 96 and he's a communist socialist, and he just says whatever he can say to get people to vote for him. Never mind that. We have to vote for him because, oh, he's progressive. He's a socialist. I don't fucking like socialists. I hate socialism. I hate Marxism. And I'm supposed to get all excited and happy about Bernie fucking Sanders? Why would I get excited about him? Why would I feel happy about him when I don't like socialism? 
why the hell is anybody voting for him or talking about how cool he is or how awesome he is? He's not awesome. Socialism sucks. Again, he's just saying whatever he can say to get people to vote for him. You say, oh, I want to end all the wars or, oh, I want to give out free video games to everybody or, oh, you know, it's that type of shit. But it's a lie because communism, socialism is Marxism and Marxism is always a fucking lie. It's a way to get the poor people all riled up so you can execute some sort of change in a society. It's what the elite use when they want to unrest everything and cause some sort of change of government. They'll drop a bunch of friggin' communist packets down on down on uh you know a bunch of people's heads and then they read the communist manifesto and they get all excited. And now they're trying to do that here because you have all these disenfranchised youths and they're spreading this crap around college campuses. And now young people think that you can just make money appear out of nowhere. Oh, we need to raise the minimum wage. Yeah, no shit. We've always needed to raise the minimum wage. But where does that money come from? It's We, we can print it. It's magic, right? <laughs> the, people don't seem to understand that's not how an economy works. You have to buy stuff for there to be money to pay for stuff. You can't just make money appear out of thin air. There's no such thing as trickle-up economics. That's what socialism is. It's trickle-up economics. And the same thing always happens... People that like socialism need to read a fucking history book. Read a fucking history book. Has it ever worked anywhere? No. So shut the fuck up with your socialism bullshit. Nobody wants that shit unless you're a fucking idiot 22-year-old. A stupid little fucking idiot 22-year-old who likes the idea of raising the minimum wage and all those horrible, evil old white men. They're going to be held accountable. No, no one's going to be held accountable. When you have a communist or a socialist system, the people that rule are the political party. Boom. Yeah, that's right. Political party. They're the kings and queens. There is no system better than the system we have. I'm sure it can be improved, but you're not going to do better than a fucking democracy. That's why we went back to ancient Greece and we brought this system today because it's the best. Nobody wants that socialism shit. Unless you're a retard. Yeah, I am telling him. Somebody in the chat saying, tell him, Daniel. Exactly. Take your Karl Marx and shove it up your candy ass. Shove all your Karl Marx pamphlets up your candy asses. And all you fucking Antifers, you can shove your pamphlets up your candy asses. This is a democracy and that it shall remain. So watch out for that stuff. <clears throat> okay, so I wanted to rail on socialism a little bit because I do hate socialism. I just don't like it. I hate the idea of we're dumbing down everybody else so that everybody can kind of compete. I hate that idea. I hate it because I have always had to play by these rules. I have I have won and I have lost and I have failed many times by these rules. And I like these rules because it means anybody can make it. Why do you think people come from other countries to come here? Why do they come here? And do why do they start their little restaurants and their gas stations and stuff like that? Because this is the land of opportunities. But you know what? It's the end of days anyway. So who gives a fuck? It doesn't matter. We might as well become socialists. Because the Antichrist is coming. The 
fucking Antichrist. The Antichrist. And once that happens, it doesn't matter if it's socialist or anything like that. It's going to be a total totalitarian technocracy and a fascist state. That's right. Fascism is the future. Fascism. Fascism. Non-stop fascism everywhere. Have you read 1984? That's going to be your life. Yeah. Some Winston, some Julia, some O'Briens. Have you seen Animal Farm or read Animal Farm? You're going to be living on a damn animal farm. In fact, you are. And guess who the pigs are? People like Hillary Clinton. <laughs> right? Fuck her. Um, so, I don't even know if I should talk about this. I don't even know if I should talk. This is a dangerous topic. This is a dangerous topic. So, oh, man. I don't even want to get into this. So, so this thing now is... They want to give... Hello. There he is. Can you hear me now? There he is. I can hear you. What's going on, Daniel? I apologize. I had my headphones turned off and i thought the sound wasn't coming through but it's just that i couldn't hear you i thought ai was keeping us from speaking oh that's happened before as as they will eventually too you know eventually that's how it'll be ai will say nope i'm not going to talk to daniel today we really got to get you a webcam todd yeah yeah all the all the listeners out there they're like Oh, we love Todd, but we want to see his beautiful face. It's it's almost perfect, but we just want to see him. Yeah, I don't blame him. So what's going on, buddy? What's going on? How are you, my man? I'm good in the hood. I'm good with the wood. How are you? Oh, good. I'm so good. Oh, well, hell that was yeah. Cool you to play it. That was cool of you to play our song on the intermission. Yeah, it was a good song. That was me and my cousin Eric. That was kind of our some stuff we've been practicing, working on. Did, over the did years. either of those songs have a name? American Satan and uh, that second one is uh, now that that second one doesn't have a title yet. Satan, he's in control of the world. He's the prince of darkness. Satan, <laughs> Satan. His other name is Lucifer. Satan, Lucifer. <laughs> there you com- go. He commands a legion of demons that are always screaming. We came up with that American Satan one about the time the movie American Satan was coming out. Oh, I love that movie. But our song is cooler because it, it's uh, it, it's kind of just a critique on the whole music industry and Hollywood and everything. Where the movie was a to- you know kind of a fiction. Yeah, whenever people want to talk about uh, uh, like the music industry and Satanism, I always say, well, the first thing you should do is you should go watch American Satan. Yeah, because that's like half the story yeah. right there, and then you got to learn the actual history. And if you combine those two things, yeah. then you're going to get it. You're going to get it. Boy, if you start stripping through that and looking deeper into where all your bands came from and all your favorite songs, you'll you'll see that there's music catalogs that were made. All your favorite songs were already done three times before your favorite singer did them. That was one of the first things that really tripped me out when I 
started digging into the history of music. What do you mean? You're saying they're all ripping each other off? No, they. someone wrote songs a very long time ago. The industry bought them. And then they make all the people that they sign do a, a second or third or fourth or seventh version of it every 10, 20 years. As people forget about the version that was made 20 years ago, they bring back out the catalog and they make the new generation of artists sing the songs from 20 years ago. And this has been going back 70 years. Oh, you mean kind of like how, uh, like even Jimi Hendrix, he covered all the Watchtower. Yep. They buy songs written by other people. And then, and then uh, Stairway to Heaven, that was kind of ripped off of another song. <clears throat> the Led Zeppelin's a little different. Yeah, did you know that uh, Jimmy Page had a 14-year-old girlfriend? I've I seen that. Yep, I've seen that on YouTube. What's going on there, pervert? Boy, the Hollywood music industry. Some pretty trippy... Trippy stuff in there. Lots of pictures. Yeah. Studio and, uh, 54. I mean, Harvey Weinstein. Yep. Good old Weinstein. Are you, uh, you know, speaking of creepy elites, have you been checking out the whole Megxit thing? You've been telling us about it. Oh, so so, yeah, so been, I'm your sole source of information on Megxit? Me? No, but you're the only. I'm a real reporter. Hey, we heard these guys are leaving. It's really cool. <laughs> I'm a real news anchor. It's finally happened. That. I made it. I'm telling people Covering the news. news people want to hear about. If it wasn't for me on this program telling people the news, you wouldn't even know about Megxit, Todd. That's a valuable resource you're providing there, Daniel. It, no, it's very validating. It truly is because now I'm like, oh uh, shit! I, without me providing the news, Todd's not even going to know what's going on out there. And we never would have known that Scott Bayo was harassing one of your, you know, guest or two goes girlfriend. Oh, <laughs> yeah, anywhere the, the Scott Bayo you know. rabbit hole. God, that Scott Bayo. Apparently, please, please. apparently, he's some sort of megalithic okay. douchebag. You still there, Todd? So beyond that, Daniel. Oh yeah, yeah. I heard your show earlier. I was working. I couldn't call in. Sorry. It's okay. You don't have to. But always now call I'm in. a beer, and I can, can call in. And then you said, "I want to hurry and get off the air." So I, I thought I better call Daniel and keep him on the air. Well, hey, since you're here, are you ready for some mind blowing? Oh, I love the mind-blowing moment. Mind-blowing. It's the mind-blowing moment of the day. It blow your mind, yeah. It blow blow your away. mind. Blow your mind, yeah. Oh. Mind-blowing. I love that part. It's my favorite part of the show. All right. You're getting good at the food. Yeah. So today's mind-blowing you know moment of the day. Of, you know what that reminds me of, Daniel? What? Jethro Toll. Oh. He used the flute to do some of his really cool, you know, remember Jethro Toll? What's the mind-blowing moment of the day, Todd? Go. What, what is the mind-blowing? Go ahead. Moment? You do it this time. Um, uh, 
Daniel Daniel played our our practice song American Satan. That's that's your mind. Okay. And that's a little disrespectful to our guest today, but if that's what you want it to be, I guess we'll have to all right, mind-blowing moment of the day was when I played Todd's music. He, it was his choice. Mm. He called it. Blew my mind. You, you blew you our blew minds? Mind. <laughs> All right, Love this that. concludes the mind-blowing moment of the day. Just one quick little... Oh, that feels so good to do that. Wow, you're getting good at the flute. Oh, it's actually a recorder. It's a little different than a flute. A recorder. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. They t- they give you these for free when you're in like second grade. I have a couple of them. Uh huh. I got like two or three of those. <laughs> I can't play it for shit though. I feel like I'd be able to play an actual flute better. This thing is hard to play. Does it always have to be a flute? Can't you get like a tambourine or like a maraca or something? Yeah, I had a tambourine in the first show. It's just out of reach. It's easier just to grab this damn clear recorder. About your harmonica? I got one of those. I play that like every other time. Yeah. Let's switch it up. I can just grab my guitar. Your guitar yeah. has a raucous. Yeah, Rock shit, me yeah. Rock me slowly. Satan! Uh. <laughs> right on, Dad. <laughs> it's easy to wow. be a heavy metal rocker. You just grab your guitar and well and go, Satan! Oh. Yeah. Satan! Two, two shows. Daniel, two shows in one day. I love that. Oh, that's nothing. I could do four if I really applied myself. Well, at one time you said, you know, maybe you'd try like a 24-hour show. That would be fucking incredible, like Jerry Lee Lewis. Do you remember the Jerry Lee Lewis telephones? Oh, hell yeah. Jerry Lee Lewis, of course. Back when we used to just call him Jerry Lewis. Yeah, fighting muscular dystrophy. Yeah, that was a mainstay. We used to... (coughs) Excuse me. Got that coronavirus, but... uh. We used to wait for that. Like it was like the Super Bowl, the Jerry Lewis Telethon. People actually wanted to watch it. Twenty four hours, and they had a live thing showing how much money was racking up, fighting muscular dy- dystrophy. Jerry Lewis was fucking hilarious back in the day. Like when he was doing movies, he was, he was pretty funny. Him and Dean Martin. Yeah, have you ever seen that movie? Uh, shit, what is it called? It's that movie where they're all trying to get that money. Like there, there's a big W, and everybody's going crazy trying to get this suitcase full of money. And Cannonball it's got, Run. Ah, oh, no. What is it called? Damn it. Here, let me. Grab uh, it's a mad, mad world. It's a mad, it's mad, a mad world. Mad, it's a mad, mad world. That's oh, yeah, it. I didn't see it. That's crazy. They don't even make movies like that anymore. Yeah. Now, they wasn't that really a went... badass movie? That was so cool. All your favorite Hollywood actors are in a race to get the suitcase full of money. I think they tried to do a reboot of it, but it didn't work or something like that. I don't yeah, know. It's time. It's a period piece. Yeah, you kind of got to be there. 
But, but Daniel, I didn't want to keep you or bore you or anything like that. I was going to think, was there anything really cool this week to, to, to discuss with Daniel? It's cool that you did two shows. Your guest earlier was was uh, was interesting with all of his DMT and he's going to the outer limits of the universe in his mind, man. Yeah. He was pretty cool. Yeah. it's Hey, the show's back. I mean, it's not just once a week. It's whenever the fuck I can do it. So we're back full time. Um, as you know, there's a long well, hiatus. I can but... a, hopefully I can get a live camera so that I can make your audience happy. Oh, that would be so cool. That would make them so happy, Todd. Show off my six pack, my eight pack. All the ladies. Oh my God. They're going to just, oh. No, I, I probably can't do, no, my wife ain't going to go for that. Oh, you can show a little bit of belly for the chicks out there. It They're is just, pretty impressive. It's just a visual. It is pretty impressive, but I don't know. All right, Todd. I'm going to keep things going, so I will talk to you next time, buddy. Fantastic show. Thanks, my man. Keep rocking. Bye. And that was Todd, the bod, the god. So, oh, I didn't finish talking about the uh, transgender shit, so... Let me preface this by saying that I'm totally for transgendered people and transgendered rights and stuff like that. But, man, some of this stuff about giving kids these hormones is insane. It's like nowadays they want kids to do things independent of their parents. So you see this uh, movement going on on this social media platform called TikTok where these adult female doctors are saying... They're doing little dances. They're saying, hey, kids, did you know you do not need to have a parent accompany you to have a doctor's appointment? You can talk to your doctor alone if you want to. So there's actually some propaganda being spread out there that is trying to separate children from their parents. So uh, they're doing it with abortion. You can get abortion without your parents' permission if you do it a certain way. You can get vaccines without your parents' permission if you do it a certain way. And the other thing is I don't think they're doing this yet but in my opinion it's going to be the next thing is they're going to start giving uh, gender bending hormones to children and this is kind of what i was talking about with clinton earlier this plot to corrupt the children or maybe not corrupt per se but to make them independent fully of their parents so once the parents are made independent of the children pretty much all the kids become wards of the state so now our children I don't have any kids, but for those of you that have kids, these kids are being raised by the state. And they can raise them with all sorts of crazy, atheistic, Marxist type of crazy values. <laughs> those hormones are really awful. I mean, you, know, you you say you're against giving kids hormones and they say you're like transphobic and all this bullshit. No, 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 no. On the contrary, uh, those hormones are not what... They say they are. They don't turn. They don't change your gender. Their effects are like really minimal. Like they barely do anything. That's the truth. And they have a lot of side effects. And when you're giving this to little kids, you're doing nothing but abusing them. Again, they have side effects. These children have not even come of age. They don't even know who they are yet. And to give a child a chemical bath and alter their physiology unnaturally 
is a great, great evil, in my opinion. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to be transgender or anything like that. Again, I'm totally for those people. Uh, I, I, I don't wish anything bad upon them. Of course not. But that's what they do. They twist your words. They take something insane, and just because you don't want to agree to something insane, they label you something else. And that's what they're doing nowadays. So you say you're against Israel... And, gen- and the genocide going on. Oh, you're an anti-Semite. No, I'm just against mass genocide and killing. It's nothing to do with anti-Semitism. See what I mean? How, you know, you say one thing or you say you're against illegal immigration. You're racist because you're against illegal immigration. No, 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 you're not racist. You're, you just want it to be fair. So, I mean, I'm not saying... A lot of people that are against illegal immigration aren't racist because they are, right? Well, that is a, a contingent of that crowd, but it doesn't make you racist. <clears throat> but that's what you, that's what they do nowadays. Oh, you, you're you not for giving hormones to the boy that picks up the Barbie instead of the race car? No, I'm not for giving hormones to any child. <laughs> I think that's an awful idea. And then um, you know, someone was getting, getting in an argue, argument with me, and they're saying... Well, that kid is not going to be able to change their voice. That boy is going to have a male voice. Like, so what? Like, for one thing, uh, those hormones don't even change your voice. And the other thing is that that's not worth it. That's not a good excuse. You're still making a decision for a kid that's not old enough to make this type of decision. It's just, it's completely insane. It's about, it's almost as insane as the fact that pedophiles are being allowed on social media now right if you're a non-offending pedophile and you're part of that whole disgusting demonic degenerative evil movement of not offending pedophiles being accepted as a uh, sexual orientation same shit this is getting really weird it's not like it was when i was a kid let me tell you world's changing and I might just get the fuck out of here before it gets too damn weird because I can't take this shit anymore. It makes no sense. I don't even get young people's humor anymore. People keep saying, okay, boomer. And I don't laugh because I don't get the joke. Okay, boomer. Okay, boomer. Okay, boomer. I don't get it. And I don't understand why that's funny. Am I just getting old? Am I getting out of touch? I don't know, but I don't seem to understand the young people funny anymore as much as I used to. I'm I'm getting old and out of touch. What else do I have? What else do I have to talk about? Bernie Sanders giving hormones to kids. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, how come they don't make a really badass movie about the end of days? Like a really cool one. Like have the Antichrist in there. And have Jesus come back. And it turns into this gigantic battle in the sky. Between the forces of the Christians and the Antichrist satanic forces. And it's like a huge Star Wars-esque battle in the sky. Now that would be badass. And I have to wonder why we have never had anything like that. Like you, You have movies about the end times that are comedies. Like you had that one, This is the End. With Jonah Hill and all those guys. Kind of along the same lines, but I want a serious movie about the end of days. I want it to be like Hellfire and 
and robots and giants, like Nephilim giants being released. And, and the Christians are trying to fight with the giants and they, you know, they're using their AR-15s and shooting out of their bunkers. And the giants have these big shovels and they're trying to get down to the Christian bunkers so they can eat them. Now that would be fucking badass. Try to tell me that's not awesome. Of course it's awesome. You remember that movie, uh, what was it called? Battleship Earth or something like that. <laughs> Battlefield Earth. It was like a... You know, let me look it up with my phone. It had John Travolta in it. And it was like made by the guy that started Scientology. Here it is. Or the guy that started Scientology really liked this guy's books. <laughs> yeah, Battlefield Earth. And it had these fucking big ass Nephilim giant guys. God, that movie was shit. It was pure garbage. It doesn't even deserve to be brought up on this program. But I think something along those lines that doesn't suck would be pretty awesome. Like, we need a movie with some Nephilim in it. God, this movie tanked. What were you thinking, Travolta? Any of those people that get mixed up with that Scientology shit, they're just fucked. They're just fucked. Check your Thetan levels. But, uh, you know, I'm rambling. I'm rambling at this point, so... I'm going to draw things to a close. Between this and the other show, we've done close to four hours today. That's fine with me. Don't got to sit here and ramble forever. So remember, go to endofdaysradio.com for all things End of Days Radio. Check out our upcoming schedule, list of guests. Also, check out the donate link if you'd like to donate to the show. Feel free to donate. Use PayPal. I'm going to get that Bitcoin thing set up soon. I'm new to Bitcoin. I'm not from this crazy new generation, so forgive me if I'm taking forever to get that Bitcoin thing set up. And also, you can uh, get us anywhere you can get podcasts. So iTunes, Google Store, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube. Follow me on Twitter, dude. If you like me and this show, you can get more of me like every day if you follow me on Twitter. So that's Ninja Shoes on Twitter or End of Days Radio. Or you can uh, follow me on Instagram. I'm not as active on there, but that's End, end of Days Radio on Instagram. And we've still got some great shows coming up. Let me tell you. We've got oh, Linda Godfrey coming out next. Linda Godfrey. Oh, she's She's one of the favorites of the listener base out there. People love Linda Godfrey. And we are going to talk some werewolf. We are going to talk some walking dogs. Dogs that walk on two legs. One of my favorite subjects. I had a wolf encounter last summer. I can't wait to tell Linda about that. She's going to be ecstatic. She's going to be like, oh my god, Daniel, you heard real wolves? Wow. You're practically a cryptozoologist. Oh my god, it's going to be awesome. But I will talk to you guys then. I'll talk to you then. Let's see. When is that actually? Let's get an exact date so you guys don't forget. That's going to be on Wednesday, the 29th at 7 p.m. PST. It's going to be fun. I will see you guys then.